2: All right, let's do this thing. It's level three. We've got Jerry Palm, CBSSports.com, will join us. CBS Sports talk um, college football. We'll get into the FIBA. I see our boy Gino in Philadelphia is asking if I've given any FIBA picks yet. Yeah, I have not. Uh, we gave you picks for every game last night. Um, eight games, we won six of them. So we went six and two. Nice night last night, actually. Uh, we went three and zero in the CFL. And we won six and two in the uh, FIBA FIBA World Cup. So what? Uh, nine and two last night. It was a nice night with the CFL, and then going into the basketball. And we've got more big games coming up. Canada are playing against Latvia for first place. You know, Canada uh, Canada have outscored their opponents by 85 points. But it's the most. Uh, it's the biggest winning margin uh, in a tournament uh, so far. And in fact, it might even be 89, actually. Let me confirm this. But we got George Kurtz in the house with us. Uh, George, how did you do with uh, baseball when it was all said and done tonight?
4: I did all right. Uh, got a couple of breaks uh, late. Uh, Texas beating the Mets was nice. Came through in a parlay for me. Uh, Cincinnati losing, not so much. I was wrong on that. I know I was pretty wrong on another game, too. Oh, uh Milwaukee, right? That didn't go out. That didn't go very well. They actually, they actually won. Good for them. Uh, Yankees had the under though. Uh, won a couple of others as well. So it was a profitable night, but nothing that I'm going to be writing in my memoirs. Yeah, if I recall in my memoir, you, Cam Stewart, Dave Sheridan, <laughs> and Taylor Mathis were
2: all on the uh, Chicago Cubs tonight. I was the sole survivor that said, "Give me the Brewers."
4: <laughs> it paid off for you, right? Uh, we should listen to Rage a little bit more.
2: And how about this, George, not to pull a Barry Horwitz, but I gave two same-game parlays for the Phillies game. Trey Turner over one-and-a-half total bases in the Phillies yeah. to win the game at plus 210, and I gave another one Bryce Harper plus 200 in the Phillies to win the game. Bro, bro, they're both on so much fire. They both hit home runs. Trey Turner hit two home runs. Hey, did you do the uh, bets at Turner over the
4: weekend for uh, the Dodgers? Oh, yeah, you and I talked about that, that he hit a home run over the weekend. He did. Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. So, he got he got. He waited until Sunday, though, so I didn't pay as much as, as I would have liked. And to hit his Saturday, but, uh, but they, we knew hey, was going to Well, what did you and I say? We
2: said, through the weekend, he's going to get one, right? Right. So, we, it you sucked to be though that it happened
4: in the last game. It would have been funner right. if it happened on Friday. <laughs> I'm just happy he hit it, all right? Go get along my voice. you really going to not hit one in front of me, like, really? But uh, thank you, Mookie.
2: And then they won again tonight. Though they go back home, they're just—they're just on a roll. This team, bro. They're, I'm telling you, this—this this is, this—the only. I guess we could be concerned about their pitching, right? So Gonçalves out now too, and word is, guys, Gonçalves going to be out all of next year. Yeah, Does exactly, the pitching concern you? The starting pitching? It has to. For the Dodgers.
4: But uh, I don't think it's necessarily death for them because I mean, I think they're going to play Atlanta, right? Eventually they'll play Atlanta. Okay, you got Strider. He's no doubt an ace. It's going to be tough. Everybody else in Atlanta can be hit, right? Uh, Freed's good, but he's not, uh, you know, oh, my God, Dodgers have no chance. Good. I don't know what Kyle Wright will be uh, will be when he comes back. And we don't know what Carl Walker Walker is going to be when he comes back, by the way.
2: I think Bueller will be fine, but word is he's going to come out of the bullpen. The late-night anger management class. This is Sports Rage. I am Gable Maranci. We've got George Kurtz in the house uh, with us. Sports Grid Radio and Television Network. Jerry Palm will step up and in as well. we get his thoughts on week one college of football. So, George, as the NFL season is rapidly approaching uh, right now, how do you feel about uh, week one's games? How many games do you have circled? How many games do you like so far that you're going to be betting on? we got them all circled.
4: Sort of, it's week one. We're going to go bananas here. Uh, oh, really, huh? I'm going to play a lot. Of- <laughs> it's hard. If you're going to win, usually uh, you want to bet early, right? Because that's when the bookies early aren't quite sure yet, right? The books aren't, they don't quite have it yet. You know, they haven't seen these uh, teams yet either. But uh, sure, I've got some uh, games here that I like a lot. I've got a lot of props. I find—I know the last couple of years I've been much more successful on props than I have been on games itself. So uh, I'll have too many bets. I'll calm it down after week one. But uh, that's something between, you know, it's looking all baseball, football. I mean, it's just, there'll be too much uh, going on here. Uh, you know,
2: I like playing player props as well, and uh, we always end up with a million of them on Sundays. Like each game, I end up with like five, seven per per game. Touchdown, yeah. uh, touchdown score props. That's one of my favorite ones, George. It's a good one. The old, t- it's it's pretty reliable. The touchdown score prop. What's your favorite player prop? What like receptions or receiving yards?
4: I uh, receiving are just tough. I do like receptions though. I think if you really go through it, you could find that one. How does this guy only have two and a half? He's definitely going to catch more than running backs. That. You really are have the to way look to go for that. Yes, almost always backs that you like uh, for those. Uh, I like touchdown props as well. You know, no doubt. Uh, longest field goal. I mean, I really like longest field goal. All these guys that kick the ball a mile nowadays. It may not be all that accurate, but they can kick it a mile.
2: Hey, I've been doing the long field goal like for years. I was like the only one in ah. the old days. I, I did a conference about it and people were like, wow, that's interesting. It's on, it's on YouTube, uh, actually, it was long, like eight years ago or something, So was NFL Sunday about, ticket. About long, long field goals. Yeah, I was like, yeah, you know, guys, long field but you know, in those days, like you said, it's changed. When I was doing it, I used to be able to get 42 and a half, so it was like 42 and a half, the standard was 44 and a half, so it would be like, wow, wow, they made it 46 and a half or whatnot. They're, they're. Everyone bets it now. They're much like. Like you said, the prop market used to be not much. Yeah, you know, like and so. Now though, we've talked about it more when the Chiefs played on Monday Night Football last year in a game. More people bet that Travis Kelsey will score a touchdown or not than they did on the cider total. All right, we'll get George uh, baseball thoughts on the uh, on the other side. We'll get him out of here. Jerry Palm will step up and then
3: bring it.
0: VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact.
6: Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful?
2: Nobody wants to hear the nonsensical ravings of a loudmouth malcontent. Here we are. This is Sports Rage. I am the loudmouth malcontent. Shout out to uh, King Shark Sports. This dude's hardcore with uh, retweeting stuff, but uh, we appreciate it. We'll take the promo where we can get it. The Mightier Ted 90. Scott Farrell, Rich Eisen, Scott Kaplan, Kaplan and crew. Sports Rage, ESPN Radio, Jim Rome. Solid lineup. Uh, excellent uh, lineup. We're proud to be part of it. George Kurtz uh, kicking with us uh, right now. So, uh, George, uh, Jose Altuve hit for the cycle tonight. First time ever in his career. you probably going play the your
4: I, I He's get, one of I your favorite hate, players. Player players I, I know. I, <laughs> yeah, probably the player I hate most. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I hate the strong Really, yeah? Huh? player I, dis, I dislike. <laughs> come on, he was wearing a buzzer. You, you can't tell me he wasn't wearing a buzzer, man. You know, so I have no, I have no, my wife didn't want me to take my shirt off. Get the hell out of here. Still, yeah, still, still bothers me. Still bothers me.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a tough sell, that whole thing, huh? It's
4: kind of crazy. You could the see him mouthing it. No, don't do it.
2: Yeah, yeah, don't, you know don't, about about don't it? take my jersey off. I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. his wife. Yeah, I, I can't, uh, I can't disagree with, like, I don't, you know what's weird, though? I'm a Dodger fan. They beat the Dodgers in the World Series. I don't really have like the same type of. I don't I don't feel like they sort of like we got robbed in a way. To me, George, if if at that point you're that stupid that you can't figure out that they were banging garbage cans and stuff, not to mention the World Series was so loud that it, they weren't at the World Series. You know what I'm saying? The the whole thing is just so bizarre. The whole story. I mean, anyone that knows it and followed it closely, too, there was a dude on the White Sox that told them, I know what you're doing, right? And it was in the mid... Yeah, it was the middle of the season, and he basically said, whatever, you and your effing garbage cans, and he said, screw you. Like, he started mouthing off, and he said it out loud, and they panicked. The Astros, like, immediately ran into the tunnels and started destroying TVs and, like, burning evidence. And the manager flipped out that night. I guess they had a big fight, the Astros, that night, right? Because not everybody was on board with it, right? A lot of guys were like, we're going to get caught, guys, and we're going to look, like, really bad. We're going to get caught. And... Then the manager was like, I F and told you guys, we're gonna, you know, this is ridiculous. But he's the manager, he could have shut it down, right? Exactly. But my whole deal is, George, every other team was cheating too. Let's just be real. Let's, oh, let's yeah. not be naive. Let's not be naive. I'm
4: with you. Yankees cheat, everybody cheats. Just the, de- the degree of cheating. That's why I don't feel like the Yankees got ripped off, by the way. I actually thought Houston was the better team. I uh, still do. Uh just that uh, <laughs> it's just I, 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 the excuses bother me. All right. Uh, it just, <laughs> You know, don't uh, come up with a better one. For the love of God, come up with a better one. My wife doesn't want me to take my shirt off. You know, and then he took a shirt the next year. He has a tattoo or something. I'm like, oh, it's, it's fine now, huh? Was the tattoo sore back then? Oh, God.
2: You know, though, the Red Sox were just as bad. Yeah, they were smartwatches. And the Yankees were in on it. Yeah, I'm not well, saying my Dodgers are angels either. The Dodgers have been accused of a lot of things. The Dodgers are more the typical stuff, though, that everyone gets called out for about people in the stands, right? So-called fans. who have been right? Oh,
4: Toronto
2: with so the someone Kingpins. Someone in Toronto has
4: the flashlight or something.
2: They're the Kingpins, Toronto. You know what's funny, George? The Toronto's owners are a cell phone company, too. So, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Basically, the thing Toronto does, they basically have like 20 people in the stands. They look like fans, right? They're dressed like fans, whatever, and they're not on the official payroll. And they all know the system and stuff. So I don't know what they're doing. I don't know if they're texting it into the dugout. If what their what their little plan is, you know what I mean? But they do it. I mean, but everyone does. I had Bobby Valentine on, George. It was the best. It was on sports crew. It was in the morning it was in the morning show and, uh, and in the morning when I was doing the show out of Studio Thirty Four. And I've had Bobby on a lot. Like, I got along with him when he was the Mets manager and stuff, like face-to-face. And so he was the athletic director of Sacred Heart. (laughs) And So anyways, I asked him about – we were talking about cheating in baseball. And I asked him, like, remember the Red Sox, bro? They were ahead of the curve. They got caught using Apple iWatches, bro. Pretty slick. Right? I mean, players wear watches. So, like, they – The Red Sox had Apple and they were like coding each other during the game with the watches. And Bobby Valentine was the manager and I asked him and he said, I asked about the Red Sox and he told me that he asked them. He goes, Gabe, true story. He goes, I asked them. So what are we doing anyways? How does this work? And the Red Sox told him, don't worry about it. And... And I said to him, I said, Bobby, you must have known you were in big trouble when they didn't want to let you know how they were how they were stealing signs. And he goes, Gabe, I did. I knew I wasn't going to be there long when they didn't share it with me. Imagine George, like the Red Sox, analytical and organization was like, don't tell them what we're doing. Because right, he's not going to be here, and he's going to know our little scheme. Right, So they didn't tell Bobby Valentine what they were up to because he wasn't going to be there long enough. But look at Cora, bro. Cora's been at the center of this for years, George. He's the one, the expert on stealing
4: signs. Cora, Beltran, right? Uh, still has gotten a job in Major League Baseball since. Uh, of course, of a managerial thing. Uh, I... Like I said, uh, I do believe everybody cheats. You know, The degree of cheating is different, but everybody's cheating. Uh, you know, If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. I'm sure there's stuff going on that we still don't know about, that we haven't even thought about, that they're doing there too. Uh, I, mean, I Some ways I wish it wasn't. I have no problem with anybody stealing signs, by the way. If you're able to read someone else's signs, that's on them. You know? Exactly. But uh, any electronic or anybody in the stands, yeah, I'm certainly not on board with that.
2: I think that everyone in baseball knew about the Astros. Every team knew but they're all cheating themselves. Right, they don't want to get called out. Yeah, so it's like, all right, but they were sort of then, oh, but they took it too far, right? It was like, well, like I said, guys on the White Sox knew, and the Astros knew that they knew. The guy told them, I know what you're doing. So you know, I don't know why baseball didn't step in. God knows why did he give him immunity after. But we can go on and on about that. Julio Rodriguez, the youngest Mariner player with a with a home run in three straight games since Ken Griffey Jr. in 1991. Are you buying in? Is this Seattle team special? Are they going far?
4: Are they special? Well, oh, yeah, it's a little different question there. Are they special? I don't think they're special, but you know they're playing pretty okay. freaking special baseball, George. Over the last two they months, I tell you that. Huh? And- I mean, they—they're they're a team that might be the the best team if if everything's hitting, and I mean that literally. If they're hitting, they might be the best team all around. We know they've got the starting pitching. The bullpen is—I uh, I think I figured who uh, did an article on the bullpen yesterday. How might have been Jeff Passan, but I'm not uh, not sure. But how the bullpen is just a bunch of guys thrown together here, with they're pitching very well. You know, and I like I said, this might be the best all-around team here. But, you know, Gabe, in two weeks, are we going to talk about another team that's just uh, playing out of their mind all of a sudden? That's what I wonder here. Are they just doing it for a short period of time? But, you know, Raleigh, France, Suarez, uh, J-Rod, Kalani will get healthy. He'll be there. Teoscar Hernandez. Remember, they wanted to trade Hernandez at the deadline. They tried. They couldn't get what they wanted for him. But that rotation, Castillo, Gilbert, Kirby, Bryce Miller, even Brian Wu. Wu. Wu? Yeah. I think they – I'm starting to believe here that this might be the team to beat. They just—they're hitting their stride at the right time.
2: Um, you said uh, tonight earlier, "You're going down with the ship," and I said, "Well, so that means you think the ship is sinking, right?" With the Blue Jays, but your confidence and your faith in them paid off tonight, Kurtz. That was—they need—they need to sweep the Nationals. Like the Jays need to do what, like Seattle, like the Jays need one of these ten and two runs, George. I don't know if they can do it. But they—that was a big win for them tonight.
4: It was a nice comeback win, right? Gets everybody off their Case, especially if they lost Chapman, right? Bichette wasn't in the lineup either. Uh, so it, that was a nice one. I don't care who it's against. You, you got to win here. I don't think they can go and do a ten and two. I don't. I don't. I just don't think they schedule uh, soft that they're doing that. Schedule soft this week. Isn't it? I'm on the Jays all year, listen, uh, uh, and I'm not getting off them. I think they can be dangerous if they can get in. But uh, That being said, I do wonder if they're, that team, someone's not going to make a game. I think it's going to be the Jays. Great stuff, George. Thanks for the time. Anytime. Have a great week.
2: This is Sports Rage.
3: Bring it.
1: Ladies, says I'm an artist. You? An artist? Your husband's work is what we call outsider art. It could be by a mental patient or a hillbilly or a chimpanzee.
2: All right, let's do this thing. Countdown to tip-off is on once again, the FIBA World Cup. Man, this is good stuff. They're playing nightly, and it's like rapid fire, right? The teams seem to be playing like every two days. So, uh, Germany and Finland are up first, and it's a little bit earlier than usual tonight. The game starts at 12.30 Pacific, 3.30, uh, 330 Eastern Time, so basically 30 minutes after the show ends. we got the first game up uh, here tonight, Germany and Finland. Germany are laying 13.5 points. The total is 173.5 if you tuned into the show last night, I did a full segment on the FIBA World Cup. We, we went over every game. I gave you eight picks. We won six of them. So it was a nice, robust 6-2 and two last night. This tournament's been pretty good for us. One thing I've caught on to this tournament... The player props are hit or miss. The numbers are very sharp and stuff. i would have a better record if, if not for like somebody's player props. Like I keep winning the games and the totals and the player props I've lost more than I've won. So I'm I'm starting to shy away from the player props a little bit more now. But as far as um, as far as the games tonight are concerned, Finland Finland always looked good in the first you know what? As someone that's actually watched these games Finland start off strong normally. You know, I watched Finland against Australia. they were in the game and then they, they fell apart. One thing that was surprising about Finland, like their hockey team is so disciplined and they're such a collective unit. The basketball team they're not on the same page. You know like I said like it was they, they, they've had a couple of incidences on the bench with the coach and they seem to be a bunch of hotheads the Finnish players. Germany are obviously much... The Germany are better than they are. Uh, Finland lost to Japan 98-88. So they got smoked by Australia, and in their last game, they lost 98-88. So as I said, one thing about Finland, they don't play defense. They're not very good defensively. They don't really shoot the ball particularly well either, but they do play like a pretty fast tempo. So I look at this game, the total's 173 and a half. And remember I told you last night these numbers are crisp and sharp, man. They're sharp. Look at China last night. The China total, I gave it the over 157 and a half. It got to 158. <laughs> one by half a point. It won one by half a point. <coughs> so the total here 173 and a half. I think we get there. I think I think we get there. I think the game goes over the number. I'm not going to lay 13.5 points with the Germans, even though I think the wheels could fall off for Finland as the game goes on. I think the way to go here as well, Finland are getting 3.5 in the first quarter. I was hoping for a little bit more. Let's see what we're getting in the first half. Probably, what, 5.5? It's 6.5. You know, why temp fate? Let's just take the damn over. This way, if Germany smokes them, we don't have a problem with it, and you know it's like Germany can score and we can, we can get uh hey, if Germany can score enough points you know on their own, we can get there and another thing is too, they said teams don't let up in this tournament, All right so team teams don't let up. I expect this game to be a pretty free flowing game, neither one of these teams are going anywhere Finland's already been eliminated essentially here. So uh, 173 and a half is the total in that game. Let's go over the number, and you know I want to win. I don't want to just rec- you know recklessly throw plays out here. So let's go over to 173 and a half. Angola are plus 11 and a half against Carl uh, Anthony Towns and the Dominican Republic. Now this is like soccer in the sense; it's a little bit annoying in that some of these teams are done. Right, like you know what I mean? There's a it's a three-game round robin, so if you're you're 0-2, you're screwed. So most of, some of these somebody's teams are already done. Some of these teams are actually though know, still playing for something, they want to be first place in their group. Angola beat the Philippines. They're coming off a win against the Philippines. Meanwhile, Carl Anthony Towns um has been carrying the Dominicans. He scored 26 points in the first game and he scored uh, 20 uh, 24 in the last one. They beat Italy 87-82. The Dominican Republic should roll Angola. The total in this game so it's 11 and a half the total is 160 and a half. I don't like laying favorites. That's the thing. Like last night, depending on the favorite, you got to be like a super team for me, a superpower. Like last night, we gave you Venezuela. at minus minus seven. I didn't really love it. I like the over more and whatever. Like Venezuela did not cover the number, so like I'm a little bit concerned here. Like I look at this total at 160 and a half, and that feels small. And light. the Dominicans are going to score probably like 100 points. So can Angola give us 60? So, you know what? Let's take – we'll lay the points. I would say let's put the DR in a Moneyline parlay, but they are minus 850. Egypt and Mexico. Egypt. I haven't bet uh, – I haven't I haven't played uh, an Egypt game yet in this tournament. Egypt and Mexico. Egypt are 0-2. They lost 89-74 to Montenegro. Uh, meanwhile, Mexico are coming off a 96-66 uh, loss to uh, to Lithuania. This is one of these games where, you know I mean, they're just playing for pride here. The total 156.5. I'm going to play the over. Like I said, these teams, they have no reason to play defense now. You know what I mean? Like, they're just trying to get a win. Like, Egypt is just, you know what? It's sort of like soccer, right? Yeah, we're eliminated from the World Cup, but we still want to get a win. And you know what I mean? They're not going to be playing defense. So let's go over the number here again, 156.5. Here's another classic example of this. France have been eliminated. And France are laying 34.5 points to Lebanon. Canada, Canada smoked Lebanon, but this is a deal where, like Lebanon, Lebanon are gonna play hard because they didn't expect to win, right? Like, and there's not a single player in Lebanon that thought, you know what? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get out of this group, and uh, <laughs> we're gonna get out of the group, and we're gonna beat France and Canada, and and, and Latvia. No, they knew they were screwed, right? France, though, and on another, you know, France were kind of like an embarrassment. All right, like France were like the second favorite to win this tournament, and they lost both games and they've been eliminated from the tournament already. So now they have to show up tonight in a game that they know means absolutely nothing, and they're laying 34 and a half points. I'm gonna be a broken record, or I should say a broken, I don't even what what do you call it now, iTunes. <laughs> MP threes are old. Now, yeah, like I broken iTunes here. But let's go over the number. If anything, France will just like light it up, put up a million points, and try to like get something positive on the way out. And Lebanon are going to play hard. Australia laying nineteen and a half to Japan. This this is intriguing. It's a lot of points. It's a it's a lot of points to be uh, to be laying. I don't think you know what. I don't th- I don't I don't think uh, Australia should be favored by this many points. I think Japan can hang with them, to be honest. Australia can dial it up a bit. They start hitting threes, but they're not an incredibly deep team. It's basically Patty Mills. You know, you got Josh Giddey. Josh Giddy keeps topping out at about 14, 15 points. He's averaging 15 and a half points a game. Patty Mills is their sky. Like so I'm not sure they cover that number, so you know what? I'm gonna put my name on it. I'll put my stamp on it. Give me the Japanese. Give me the Japanese plus 19 and a half, and let's go over the 170. And you know what? Actually, though, Australia's the one team. All their damn totals keep on landing like right on the damn number in these games. So be careful with that. But I think it's gonna go over. Japan and Australia over to 170 and a half, but we'll take Japan plus the 19 and a half. Italy are laying 13 and a half to the Philippines. The total is 166 and a half. That also feels high to me. I don't, I don't, I'm not, I wouldn't trust Italy to lay, to lay that many points. I'm not in love with the Philippines. They're inconsistent. Yeah, it shouldn't be this many points. In Italy. You know what? Let's bet it. Why not? Let's bet it. <laughs> I don't think we're throwing the fly here. The Philippines won't, like, roll over here. Like, getting 13.5 is a lot for the Italians to be laying. 166.5 is the total. No, I like the Philippines more than the total, actually. Montenegro and Lithu- Lithuania. This one, the point spread is only 5.5. Lithuania. The Lithuanians are laying 5.5 points in this game. Montenegro or 2-0 they beat Egypt 89-74. Lithuania are also very good. They just smashed Mexico. This is actually a good game. They got Jonas Valančiūnas. Lithuania come ball. Give me give me the Lithuanians to win the game. There should be some points in this game as well. It's 162 and a half. Lithuania are minus 230. Let's see what happens if we do Canada and Lithuania in a parlay together, money line. Canada's 35 to 1 <laughs> on the money line. <laughs> All right. Lithuania and Canada, money line parlay, minus 213. So, for the record, Canada are laying 18 and a half points to Latvia. Latvia can b- play basketball. Kristaps Perzingis is Latvian, but he's hurt. One more One last time. Latvia are 2 and 0. The winner of this game wins the group. Canada are 18 point favorites. Lithuania, Canada, Moneyline Parlay, minus 213.
3: This is sports portrait. Jerry Palm steps up and in
5: and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
0: Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at slash metaverse impact.
1: Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
2: Sports Race Late Night continues. I am Gabriel Maranci, SiriusXM XM Channel 159 of the Sports Good Radio Networks. Shout out to all our AM radio affiliates, wherever you may be. Let's bring in one of our favorite guests, Jerry Palm, Sports.com. Jerry, it's always a pleasure, man. Thanks a lot for taking the time to be with us.
1: Oh, thanks for having me on again. So,
2: Jerry, this has to be your favorite time of the year, right? The fall in which we've got college football and college basketball season coming up.
1: Yeah, I would have to say actually March Madness. Is probably my favorite time of the year, but the start of football season is always exciting because, you know, unlike the start of basketball season where, you know, you've got, uh, you know, 30 some games for everybody, you know, they only have 12 games. So you've got to come out of the gate pretty much right away uh, for college football season uh, ready to go because you have a much smaller margin for error if you're going to have a good season. Well, it's interesting you say that because. The
2: takeaways after week zero's uh, play about Notre Dame and USC were right away that, well, you know, look how good the offense looked for USC and our Notre Dame National Championship contenders after one week. And you want to say to yourself, well, it's one game, it's one week. But it is a small sample size to begin with as far as the season is concerned. And as far as Notre Dame is concerned, uh, Jerry, I mean, clearly they have the best quarterback that they've had in a long time. And, you know, we know that the kids love Freeman. They've recruited well. Last year, mm-hmm. they stumbled out of the gate. I think it was critical that they right. they built their confidence up early. I can't wait to see them play against Ohio State in a couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, that's really the test, right? I mean, Navy's not the test, but they did to Navy what they should do to Navy. Yeah. And so that, in a sense, is passing a test. You know, That's what good teams do, though, Jerry, right? Handle their okay, business. I mean, yeah, exactly. So, you know, for Notre Dame – uh, there's a lot of positives to take out of that game because they were able to come out of the gate strong uh, and handle their business the way they were supposed to handle their business. And uh, and I think that that's obviously a positive sign. But, you know, I'm not getting on really too many bandwagons yet. But Notre Dame is expected to have a pretty good year anyway. But well, let's see, you know, Ohio State, that's where we find out about Notre Dame then probably Ohio State.
2: And, you know what, I don't know, maybe we're dismissing NC State a little bit uh, here as well. I mean, that's on September the 9th. But I'll tell you what, Jerry, a lot of people think NC State are going to have their hands full with UConn this week.
1: Well, that would be interesting. I mean, UConn had a, a bowl season last year, really unexpectedly. And, uh, you know, so obviously that's the program going in the, in the right direction. Um, under leadership, you wouldn't have expected. You know, Jim Mora coming out of retirement there. And uh, but he's got those guys playing well, and you know to the point where there was talk about them going to the Big Twelve, which I don't think will happen. But uh, you can never say never when it comes to conference realignment. But yeah, UConn, NC State should be an interesting game. I don't know that I would go so far as to pick UConn, but um, you know it's game one, and a lot of a lot of times you know strange stuff happens in week one.
2: So week one, week zero, USC Trojans they play the San Jose State Spartans and. Number one, we learned that uh, Zachariah Branch is super fast. Man, that kid Uh-oh. is explosive. <laughs> like, you know what it reminded me of? Jared, you were excited
1: and... about, couldn't you?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's forget. I was like Caleb Williams. I want this Branch kid on my team. Forget about Caleb Williams, but you and I are old school enough to remember. You know what it reminded me of? Rocket Ishmael, actually, Reggie Ishmael against the Michigan uh, Wolverines. Uh, and they asked Bo yeah. Shembeckler, why'd you kick it to him the second time? And he goes, nobody would ever return an effing kick on me in, this, in my life. He goes, you think I <laughs> thought he was going to do it twice? Right? <laughs> he actually said that after. Yeah. said, I never gave it up in my entire life. You think that was going to happen? He had never given up a kickoff return for a touchdown wow. at Michigan before. But, you know, we don't want to say Reggie Bush, but, man, this kid is special, Jerry, isn't he?
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, he certainly had a great debut, didn't he? Uh, you don't want to overreact to one game, and especially one game against San Jose State. You know, we need to see again, you know, how he and the team performs against better opposition. Uh, but the offense was certainly clicking, and, and he he was electric. Uh, Branch was electric, and that's what we have all sort of expected of him. And so it's it's going to be exciting to watch him uh, and Caleb Williams and that offense as the season goes on. But I think if they're really going to be a playoff contender, they got some things still to fix on the defensive side of the ball.
2: Yeah, exactly. I don't want to overreact as far as every touchdown is concerned. But shouldn't you hold – San Jose State shouldn't be able to score 28 points on you if you're an elite defense, right? And this
1: was something coming into this season. You know, they had struggles on defense last year. And that's what got them in trouble when they got in trouble was the fact they couldn't shut the ball when they needed to. So you expect the defense for sure wanted to send a message coming out in game one. And, well, they sent one, but it wasn't the one they hoped to send. Uh, so, you know, that defense really needs to show better in some of these upcoming games because once they get into conference play, but where everybody knows them, it gets to be a lot tougher.
2: So speaking of conference plays, we're in conversation with CBS Sports' uh, Jerry Palm. Jerry, what do you think of uh, Minnesota and Nebraska? Quite the way for Matt Rule to make his Cornhusker debut with a conference game like this.
1: Yeah, on the road. Um, it's I don't know what to make really of either of those teams. I mean, Minnesota lost some key guys. I think they're going to be a younger team this year. Uh, so it, they may have some fits and starts uh, through uh, the, the entire season, really. And Nebraska, we don't really know what to expect either with a new coach and, and a, several new players. So it's it's hard to say. I always go with the home team. This is the Big Ten West, where Wisconsin is probably the best team and everyone else is basically the same but different. So, and there's a lot of question marks in this division. You don't know what's going to happen in Northwestern, but you expect it's not going to be good. Purdue and Nebraska have new coaches. You don't know what to expect. Is Iowa ever going to score a touchdown? Oh, you know, it's funny, They, uh, the Big Ten Twitter account put up uh, a, a video of one touchdown from each team last year, and, and if you need evidence that Iowa can't score a touchdown, there is one on there. There's so, one on there. There's a tape of one. <laughs> yeah, yeah they, I don't know how, you know, they, they just say they had a lot fewer to choose from than they did with everyone else, but so, you know, there's a lot of questions throughout that entire division. And uh, Nebraska and Minnesota are teams that, you know, they're going to get a chance to answer a question early. I always think it's tough to start with conference games. But, you know, I think we're going to see more of that as these leads get bigger. And especially when you have, you know, if you you have nine conference games, it's harder to get everybody non-conference game in the first week.
2: Jerry, you follow the Big Ten as close as anybody. It's crazy to say that somebody's had as much success as Ryan Day has had. Could be on the hot seat. But if they lose to Michigan again... Let's say they stumble, Notre Dame, you know, along the way here a couple of times. It looks like the Natives are getting a little restless uh, right there in, in Columbus. How much pressure do you believe that Ryan Day is on to, to have a successful season and, most importantly, to beat Michigan? And, oh, yeah, that game's in Ann Arbor.
1: Right. Uh, successful season is defined differently at Ohio State. Right. They're looking at their schedule. They see nine wins that they should get rolling out of bed. Okay. <laughs> so a successful season for them is a playoff appearance, a national championship, uh, but beating Michigan also part of a successful season. And it's, I think, three in a row now for Michigan. Over um, And after Ohio State had won 19 out of 21 in that rivalry, which was no longer a rivalry at that point, Um, now Michigan is is back and fighting and actually winning. So, yeah, Ryan Day's job is to beat Michigan um, and, and to beat Notre Dame and to win the Big Ten championship and to get to the national championship. I mean, that's his job. But the at the minimum expectation is beating Michigan and, you know, getting to the, the 10 or 11 wins.
2: Jerry Palm, com, with us. Jerry is a Boilermaker and a Purdue Boilermakers. Jerry, the, the win total is a five and a half this year. Is this a bowl team? Do they get to six?
1: I think so. Um, obviously, a lot of questions about Purdue Uh, a lot of new players especially on the defensive side of the ball Um, but the most uh, noteworthy new player is quarterback Hudson card transferred from Texas and uh, he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league he's he's not going to be you know top two maybe but he's going to be in the top three or four quarterbacks in the league so if he plays well uh, Purdue's going to be leaning on their offense quite a bit um I think that Purdue can get to a bowl game. They also have a relatively favorable schedule. So, you know, Purdue's going to have to take care of business here early on. They have to get off to a good start. There's not a lot of margin for error for Purdue to make a bowl game, but I have them in a bowl in my preseason bowl projections. But I see, I mean, the the win total of five and a half is not an unfair number, but there's there's probably more questions marks about Purdue than maybe anyone else. Because at Nebraska, at least you've got a head coach who you knows something about it. Purdue, you've got a 37-year-old guy with his first head coaching job, who says everything that needs to be said, and he's, you know, he's endeared himself to the Purdue community before the ball has ever been snapped. But you know, a two-and-ten season is going to do a lot to undo that. So there's there's a lot of pressure on the new Purdue coaching staff to come out and make a good impression and uh, and keep winning on the recruiting trail, which is something he has already been doing.
2: And Jeff Braum, of course, um, went back home to to, to Louisville. And mm-hmm. it seems to me that Purdue, you know, from what I understand and what I read, they were looking at other names, and they, they were looking at, you know, some of the usual suspects, uh, but Ryan Walters just kept interviewing so well. And yeah. at every step yeah. of the process, they kept coming back to, well, you know what? Seems like none of these other guys have blown us away more than Ryan has. Who is Ryan Walters? And it's unusual for a 37-year-old to be in control of a program this big.
1: Even more unusual is he comes from the defensive side of the ball. He was Illinois' defensive coordinator. When Illinois had the number one defense in the nation last year, he was the guy running it. Um, You know, Purdue's the last person Purdue hired as a head coach that had recently been, that most recently been a defensive coordinator was Leon Burtnett. You're not going to remember him, but wow. he coached Purdue in the late 70s and early, early 80s. So Purdue's got a, an offensive identity, and then the first thing he did, he, and he played quarterback some before he ever got into coaching. So he's, it's not like he doesn't like offense, but the first thing he does is go do out and hire Graham Harrell, the former Texas Tech quarterback, played for Mike Leach, uh, runs the air raid offense, and then Purdue fans are like, well, okay, so I guess we're going to still be throwing the ball a lot. And before he even set foot on campus, he got—he started recruiting Hudson Card, and he brought in, you know, a guy that was a highly recruited quarterback uh, to Texas um, and then, you know, got uh, supplanted by Quinn Ewers and, and now Arch Manning coming in. so he thought, well, my days here are not going to see the field much. And uh, so Walters recruited him. And so the offense actually, you know, with him and a bunch of returning guys on the offensive line and their top running back, um, you know, produce offense. Uh, there's reason for optimism the defense which is his specialty is more question marks because we just don't know that much about the personnel
2: uh, finally in closing how do you feel you're going to be at the football game against fresno state what's your feeling about this game
1: yeah you know they're the reigning mountain west champion so you know they're not uh, a bad team and they certainly know how to win uh, now their their quarterback is in the nfl their quarterback from last year jake hayner's in the nfl so um, fresno state's expected to take a little bit of a step back this year but You know, I don't think, you know, Purdue fans should just be thinking, well, you know, Mountain West team, we should just roll. It's, you know, Fresno State's going to come compete, um, and that's a program that knows how to win. So Purdue better be ready to go.
2: Finally, in closing, uh, Jerry, we got about a minute left uh, here. A former Boilermaker looks like he could potentially have a future in the National Football League. Aiden O'Connell lit it up for the Raiders in the preseason.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, you know, that's a kid that just doesn't get – flustered by anything. Everybody doubted him his whole life. He was a walk-on at Purdue. Six-string quarterback his freshman year and just kept playing his way up the chain and uh, you, you know, was a really good starter for Purdue. He's not the athlete that some of these other guys that are getting drafted high now, but he's a guy who, who knows how to read a defense, knows how to deliver a ball on time, has enough athleticism to get out of the way um, and extend the play if he has to, but not like not like a Jalen Hurts, right? <laughs> he's, he's, uh, um, he's not that mobile, but, you know, he's, he's a smart player with a good arm and makes good decisions. And, you know, th- that's a, a lot to get in a rookie quarterback.
2: As they say, Jerry, you know, he's, you, know you look at his um, – he's not going to put up combine numbers like Anthony Richardson did, but there's different ways to the top of the mountain. That's fascinating. I didn't realize that he was actually a six-string, and he walked on, and he fought his way uh, through to make it as far as he has. That's an amazing story. Jerry Palm, always love talking football with you and basketball. Jerry, thanks for the time, my man. Sure, thanks for time. There's Jerry Palm, CBSSports.com with us. Bring it. All right, you know what? Let's put let's put the Dominican Republic in this parlay. All right, Dominican Republic are going to beat Angola uh, tonight, and we'll throw Canada and we'll take a shot. It's not easy, but we got to get we got to put a tougher game in here to make the parlay worth it. And suddenly it does. So Dominican Republic. On the money line, they're like 11 and a half point favorites. Canada on the money line, they're 18 and a half point favorites. And Lithuania on the money line, who are five and a half point favorites. That's minus 157 if you're looking for a parlay. But let's blast through the games here. Germany and Finland are up in 30 minutes. Give me Germany and Finland over 173 and a half. Give me the Dominican Republic to cover the 11 and a half against Angola, but I prefer it more in a money line parlay, but I do like the over 160 and a half. Lebanon and France let's go over 173. Australia and Japan. Give me the underdog with the Japanese at plus 19 and a half. let's go uh, Japan plus 19 and a half and over 170 and a half. Philippines and Italy. I'm not sure that Italy should be laying thirteen and a half points in this game. I think the total is a little light at 166 and a half. You know what? We'll take the Philippines, smaller play. Philippines plus thirteen and a half of the over 166 and a half. Lithuania, we talked about putting in a money line parlay. I think it could be a close game against Montenegro, but I think uh, Lithuania are better. It'll go over 162 and a half. Canada and Latvia is gonna be a track meet. All right. Canada are on, on offensive juggernaut. So let's go over the 176 and a half in that game Canada laying 18 and a half and are probably going to cover the spread but I think there's there's better ways to approach it looking at the same game parlay. You get Canada down to 10 and a half. Canada down to 10 and a half and over 168 and a half minus 130. I'll post these picks on Twitter X. other than that, you're on your own thanks to our guests later.